Hello and welcome to the new Irish Athletics Podcast brought to you by Athletics Ireland. My name is David Gillick and I'm joined in studio by my fellow host for today's episode, Athletics Ireland Women's Sport Manager and Hurdle Star, Liliane O'Hora. Liliane, how are you keeping? I'm good. Thank you, David, for having me. Great to be back in person. Yeah, absolutely, isn't it? And look, I'm very looking forward to uh, this monthly podcast um, with you by my side. Women in sport, for people that maybe don't know, your background and your role. Give us a little insight into the women in sport and what you've been up to. So I've been very lucky. I'm from Limerick and um, involved in a very good club down there called Dunin Athletic Club. Um, I'm looked after by my lovely dad, who is my coach, Lee Mahora. I have to say that otherwise I'd be thrown out of the family house. But uh, <laughs> he and the club have done so much for me over the last few years. Um, and I suppose giving me a real like appreciation for all things athletics, mm. which is why thankfully I'm getting to work with Athletics Ireland. Um, but women in sport is everything to me, and it's like I said, I've been incredible role models throughout the years, from administrators to athletes and role models and everything like that. That I'm glad now I have an opportunity to hopefully impact uh, the next generation of of emerging uh, leaders within our sport. Yeah, and look, we'll probably touch on that over the course of the podcast and even over the next couple of months. Mm. Um, but it, look, it's great to have you by my side. Here. Here. Um, and is it always the way people from Limerick have to say you're from Limerick? I don't know. People think I have a funny accent. They think I'm from Cork for some reason. Okay. I don't know. But if I go real Limerick, it's apparently if I get a bit wound up or a bit cranky, um, I go real Limerick. And so. you're not offended anyone from Cork? No, no, I hope not. I hope not. Cork is very good to us. So I'll keep in with the Cork people for as long yeah, as I can. But look, we're really excited to bring this monthly podcast to Athletics Community throughout Ireland, where we're going to chat about all things athletics and what's trending and some of the things that are kind of currently happening, which, you know, let's be honest, there's been so much happening over the last couple of weeks. Um, and we're also going to speak to some of the top talent and I can't wait for people to listen to Kira McGean, the big star that we have on for today's episode. She's going to talk all about the year, um, the time she's ran, the medals she's won, and also trying to find her uh, her spike after the cross country in Donegal, which was, uh, you know, credit her. She ran with one shoe. Um, I can't say I've lost a spike in a race. You ever lose a spike in a race? No, I wasn't going fast enough, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So come on then, right? Let's, let's look at what's been happening. Um, anything that's kind of caught your eye? I suppose, well, yesterday was a big day for us. I suppose we had our awards and obviously Kira, you know, stole the show, two awards, National Athlete of the Year and Track and Field uh, winner. Like, she's just an embodiment of everything that we want to come from our sport. She mm. is just absolute class. She speaks with so much um, passion and she's just exactly the kind of girl you want representing sport. But for for us, I suppose even from administrators within athletics. We've been really, really busy at the moment with loads of events um, taking place. So it was actually nice to just come together, be with people again for the first time since 2019, since obviously COVID and be all back together, having celebrating what we all love. Yeah, and like when you, I was there myself, um, about 350 people in the room. There was a buzz. There was definitely an atmosphere of positivity, a lot of success to celebrate over the last 12 months within our sport. You know, when you looked at the stories and listen to the people up on stage and even kind of people who had given their lives to athletics. You know, there, there was various moments where I think there was a lot of emotion in the room because we, we haven't really been able to celebrate uh, our sport in that way for the last couple of years for obvious reasons. But even the talent, you know, from under 20s all the way up to uh, to the senior kind of categories um, and athlete of the year. You mentioned Kira, but like, you know, Reese uh, getting up there, oh, long jumper Reese, like I had to laugh. When he stood up to like get his award, like he stood up out of his chair and I actually thought he was going to hit the ceiling. Like he's six foot nine. Like he's capable of being in any sport and we're just so lucky to have him in our sport. So it's going to be exciting to see what he does next with his coach Liz. Yeah, like I, I interviewed him recently enough and I'm six two. 
and I was looking up at him and I was like, oh my God, you're tall. He goes, yeah, it's a nightmare when I, he has to go out and buy pants, he says. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like overall, I, I really kind of feel that, you know, it was, we've had a great year and as this is the kind of first podcast, you know, you look back and you look back to even 12 months ago, the Eurocross in Dublin, you know, Dara McElhenney, the, you know, the roar, the crowd going berserk as he's coming up the home straight. Um, then you're going into like, you know, from indoors to, to outdoors, the worlds, you know, Munich, things like that. Like it's, it's been a, a brilliant year. And I, I think what's really important as well is that the coverage, okay, you know, I used to play GAA, so I'm not kind of having a knock at GAA, but the fact that there was no GAA in August, there wasn't a whole lot of other sports taking place in in August, meant that athletics was front and centre. Yeah, because that's actually something that I've noticed as well among some of my friends. None of my friends uh, from school are into athletics or into sport, should I say. If, God forbid, if a bus was coming uh, against them and they were running across the road, they wouldn't run, like, they just wouldn't enjoy it. However, so they don't really take an interest in anything that's going on with with sport, but they actually are all starting to know our athletes Mm. because of the publicity and the visibility that, obviously, our great team between Dara and Mary are constantly pushing out really good messages there with them. But the newspapers are picking it up on it. They're streaming or even like that cross-country streaming at the weekend up in Donegal and Cranford. Like how good, how good was that? Like just be yeah. able to see it. I had the fire on and Gorgeous. I had the, the feet up and I was watching the, the cross-country and I'm a bit too soft. Now. I, I used to do cross-country when I was a kid. I'm not going to lie. I did it all the way to my leaving cert. Toughened me up during the winter. Yeah. But when the spring came, I was like, you know, all good for the track and that's the way it went. But it was great. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. It was fantastic. And the drone footage, um, you could follow it, the commentary. And what really struck me was, um, and fair play to Cranford AC up there in Donegal for putting it on. Yeah. You know, bringing it up there on the golf course. It was like spectacular kind of scenery. Yeah. Um, and it was great races. Yeah, because I suppose for lazy people like us, two sprinters. Well, I, oh, I can, I, can, can I bring you into that bracket now? So you, you did <laughs> Hell Week, which we'll hopefully get an opportunity to talk about. And you went to did a marathon as well, which is absolutely crazy. But have DSD asked you to put on a singlet for the novice cross country? They did, they did, yeah. I, I kind of, to be honest with you, it was a message on Twitter and I haven't gone back to them. Sorry, guys. Guys, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to ask you to call him back out again. Or oh, do you know, I... I like I'm, I've enjoyed be- trying to become an endurance athlete. Yeah, but you've the, done it very well so far. Yeah, well, for those that don't know, um, I did a Dublin marathon, three sixteen, so three hours sixteen Insane. minutes. Yeah, I'm happy with it. I did go out, kind of me being me. I was like, right, yeah, I'm gonna try and get under three hours. So I went out at that pace, and I was grand. Yeah, and I felt good in my training. And shout out to Emmett Dunleavy, who people might know, who helped me an the awful man. lot. The, the man. man. And put me on a straight and narrow, gave me a structure, and I loved that. And that's the thing. I loved having a routine. I loved having a structure. I loved having a goal. And that's probably something I missed from my athletic career. You know, when you retire, you kind of, you know, I don't want to run anymore. Yeah. And people used to say, oh, you must be really motivated. I was brutal. Yeah. Because I had no goal. Yeah. So this really kind of helped. But I was good until um, Rackgar, and then bang, I got cramp. I got cramp. And I've never experienced cramp like that. What it. mile was that? That was probably, what's that, in the close to 20 miles, kind of 19. So 18 okay. miles through town, you're a little bit past that, so heading at 19. And the hard thing about that, right, I, I remember I had to stop. 
And it just came on suddenly. I've never experienced it like it. And that's where my club, Dundrum South Dublin, have, oh, um, no. have their, their water table and stuff. And I was like, I can't like hobble past yeah. everyone I know. Yeah, so, yeah. And then my wife and kids, Charlotte and the kids, were in Milltown, which is just a little bit further down. I was like, I can't walk past my kids. So I got, yeah, I tried to get back going and I did. But it was kind of a bit stop, go. Um, but it was very humid to oh, hear it. Like, yeah. in, like, obviously abnormal for that time of the year. Yeah. Oh, it was. It was, I think it was 95% humidity as we kicked off. And um, straight away, I remember going up through Stony Batter and, you know, everyone's quite in a pack and there's, there's people are kind of still full of beans at that yeah, stage yeah. and they're chatting and all that. And a good few people were like, God, it's humid, it's humid. And it was. It was close, as they say, yeah. you know. Um, and maybe that was it. But like, you know, I, I had the gels and I was taking them in at the various times, but I struggled with getting the water in as well. Yeah. And that yeah. probably caught me. But like, you know, we're both sprinters. It was like, we didn't we didn't really kind of have to worry about that sort of no, stuff. No, no. I think you have to be a different breed of person. But it's an incredible achievement to say that you've done. Yeah. But most people, when they finish one, they first initially go, oh, I'm never doing one again. What are, you, what are ah, your thoughts? Hook, line and sinker. I'm back in for next year. Ah, stop. Yeah, good mind. Yeah. Good mind. And Emmett's going to look after you again. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've actually, do you know what happened was the last couple of weeks, I've kind of felt a bit unstructured. Yeah. You know, and... I kind of miss that element. I miss that routine of getting up and going, right, I need to go and get my run in and okay, what am I working towards and stuff like that. So we've kind of said, right, let's try and kind of target a few 5Ks, 10Ks over kind of the, the, the deep winter Lovely. and then look at maybe kind of springtime looking at a decent half and then seeing where we are there. You know? Very good. Otherwise, the trainers and people will people know about this, you know, you finish something, the trainers go under the bed and then that's the end of it. So um, we'll do something. But look, Dublin was great. It was it was hard. The last 10K was was ugly. You know, it was ugly. And it got to a point where I was going up Klonsky Road and UCD is on the left, you know, and you're going up and then up the hill and then up, up Roebuck. And I'm not going to lie, you know, um, I did kind of think, oh, I could kind of just run through UCD here and come <laughs> out the flyover and, you know, I'll be home and hosed. Um, now, I didn't act on it. I know there was maybe headlines. I was that just going to say it. certain guards. Do you hear the old joke about the Carl Lewis? Oh, the Carl Lewis, yeah. <laughs> he went from 10-minute miles to 6-minute miles, um, yeah, on the Lewis. But um, he got found out, so yeah. there's always eyes and kind of people exactly, watching. But, exactly, uh, Well, when you were around the UCD area, were you kind of tempted, were you able to see the new UCD, lovely blue track? I I have, actually, and this is unreal, okay, because I'm from Ballantyre. My club is Dundrum, South Dublin. And that whole county of Dunleary Ratdown, we haven't had a track in that county since 2011. So the last track was in UCD. Uh, it's where I used to train and we used to use the lights. There was no lights on the track, but there was lights on the N11, this Logan's Geo Carriageway. So we'd be on the back straight doing our core with Lucy Moore and Jim Kidd and, you know, doing our runs off the lights of the, of the, of the jeweller, as we called it. And then the track was dug up. Yeah. So there's been no track in that whole county. So you think of that county from like, you know, almost Tala all the way over to the coast. It's a huge area and there was nothing there. But now, UCD have the track up and running, nice blue track. I think there's an explosion of tracks appearing across the country, which I'm yeah. absolutely loving because the strength and depth that we're seeing at the moment coming through with our athletes like of every age, our masters are getting stronger mm. and our younger generation are getting stronger as well. Like So I just think when we have these tracks and we have these facilities, the sport's just going to be so much more accessible to everyone. Yeah, and that's what it's all about. You know, like you mentioned the tracks all over the country. Again, there's UCD and then my own club, Dundrum said Dublin, have a fantastic track up there. Like 
eight lane, 400 meter, 10 lane home straight, Mondo, you know, Lovely. creme de la creme, bit posh over Yeah, there, of know? course, of course. <laughs> but it is all about that accessibility. And yes. what I love about athletics is that it's the basis for an awful lot of sport. You know, whether it's rugby, soccer, GA, like running, jumping, moving left and right is all what we would have done part of our athletics and it's fantastic. And that's where I'd love to see, you know, more people getting involved in athletics. You know, you may not like running, you know, particularly as a kid, you may not like it, but it could give you so much for your other sport. And that's, um, and that will help with the tracks and stuff like mm-hmm. that and getting that accessibility. And obviously, you know, it brings talent in, yeah. coaching, bring that up, nurture that talent. And, you know, we've, we're already seeing it. And go back to the awards, like the talent that's coming through, there's fantastic opportunities and hopefully that can just be grabbed. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the thing. I think sometimes, unfortunately, with our sport, like there's a real elitism associated with like, oh, you have to be really fit. You have to be this. You mm. have to be that. You have to wear the tight lycra. You know, that's a, like not everyone's cup of tea, but I like for those tracks, for those communities, it's going to be like the real kind of, pivotal point for a lot of people just to come whether it be as a Fit for Life or Couch 5K programme I'm thinking of DSD as well like all those beautiful trails around like it's world class there It is and that's the thing that like you know I've known that they've been trying to build a track probably for the last 40 years. Yeah. It takes a bit of time. Yeah, it does. And credit to the club and credit to everyone involved there for the perseverance and just looking at ways they can do it and get it. Um, and the great thing as well, like it's a busy area. It's a very urban area. Mm-hmm. So for when we were growing up, we used to kind of, you know, run on the streets and go around the area and all, all that, which, you know, nowadays it is a little bit unsafe. So one of the kind of key things they wanted to do was um, bring the kids off the streets during the winter and they've built 2K floodlit trail loop around the track. So again, it's kind of using the land and kind of thinking, okay, what can we do? Um, and that's great. But as well, it's like, you know, the spin-off groups like Mothers and Others, the, yeah. you know, Couch to 5K, um, all that sort of stuff is, uh, is really positive. And that's what I would say to people is like, you know, whether you want to get your kids involved in it, like what could you also do? Yeah. Could you coach? Could you help out? Or is it an opportunity for you to kind of maybe do something while your kid has been coached? There's and that's something probably, for everyone. There's yeah. some, and the big question, is it fast? I asked them this, you know, I said, who holds the... If it's Mondo, who, like, it's going to be... Yeah. Who holds the track record or the stadium record? So it's been undefined yet. Okay. So I might have to come out... Come out of the marathon training and just put manners on all the young people come back but again. But like, Liliana, I've no fast twitch anymore. They're I'll all gone. Go away. I've blunted them, you know. I know, that those marathons would do it yeah. too. And Hell Week, let's talk about Hell Week for yeah, a second. Yeah, Hell Week, yeah. That was in. Same. Yeah, yeah. Like I was glued to it for the whole entire thing. Yeah, it was good TV. Like I'm not gonna lie, and they they did a great job and kind of editing and kind of putting it all together and stitching it together. But like I would have watched the episodes like you for mm-hmm. the first time on TV. I didn't see anything prior to that. So you're you all you don't know what way it's going to be yeah. kind of put together. But in saying that, one of the key kind of most common questions I keep getting asked is like, was it really as hard as it looked like on the telly? It's like it was harder. Mm. Like, so what people would have watched on TV for that like fifty minutes um, on air TV, that was our life for like twenty four seven. That was it for the full kind of six days filmed straight through. And you know, I remember I, I think I said to you the other day it was like when the helicopter came down on the first bridge. You know, part of you is kind of going, ah, it's only TV, it'll be a bit of crack here. The lads ripped us. And you kind of straight away know, okay, like 
these lads are pretty serious. And it was just one, obviously, the intensity of the task that you were doing, but the sleep deprivation and the food oh. deprivation. For someone like, like me now, like I'd go hungry every hour and a half, two hours, and I just don't know how you were able to function through it all, like on such little yeah. energy and fuel. But but that's one of the hardest things is that fatigue. Mm. And like when you're really tired, you know, your thought process can be disrupted. You know how you feel. You, you know you're emotionally charged. It's you're ready to fly off the handle, you're irritable, all of these things. And that's why, you know, they use, like, in terms of military war, sleep deprivation, um, you know, just stopping people from getting into a bed and relaxing. So in the course of the week, we probably got somewhere between six and seven hours sleep. Christ. Yeah. Like, imagine that. Like, that's, I'd, I'd get more than that in a night, you know. Um, and then the food as well. I love me grub. Yeah, you know, um, probably calorie. You're handy at the old cooking, aren't you? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah Dabble in it, like yeah, do do a little bit. Yeah. Celebrity <laughs> Master Chef nearly, nearly nine years ago. And I, I make no excuses. I milked the backside out of it. Has to be done. Books. Well, I had to keep up with Dervil O'Rourke. Oh, Sherlock! Don't we all? Don't we all? That's it. I was like, right, I've got to get a book out here. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And David, like, so you did the Hell Week, and you've done your marathon training, and you were obviously one of the best runners of all time, obviously, within Athletics Ireland and the world for 400 metre running. Out of all the things you do, did did that eventually, all that madness of your elite life beforehand stand to you in that week? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think particularly kind of 400 metres, a very tough event. Um, you've, you get most training sessions, you have to go to the well. You know, you're getting scraped off the track, puking, all that good stuff because that's what you had to do. Um, and I think... Like, I, I probably only know that now by looking back that it actually, it did stand to me. It did kind of enable me maybe to to push myself. Um, but the difference is, like, when I was training like that, I could go home and chill out and, you know, maybe get a massage, you know what I mean? Bit <laughs> like, of TLC. Bit of TLC, an early night night, yeah. night in the bed and all the rest of it. But I, I definitely think it's, it's, I think in athletics as an individual and the fact that you have to get up and you have to train, you have to, you're, that accountability with yourself yeah. and you're ready to kind of persevere and work through the hardship. I think that definitely did stand to me. And, yeah. and look, it, it, I, it's one of the hardest things I've ever done, but one of the best things I've ever done because you're, you question yourself so many times on so many different levels, you're challenged. And I would, without a shadow of a doubt, put that up there with some of my athletic kind of accolades, 100%. And it's funny you said there, um, I'm only appreciating now or when I'm looking back and yesterday at the awards, Kira will be joining us now shortly in a second, but she, she said that as well. She said, I stop and look around a lot more. Mm. You know, and yeah. she said she's old. She's not, she's only she's 30 not. and she's in the, she's like a fine wine getting better with age if we go through her, yeah. what she just did last year alone. Yeah, well, it is like that. And I think sometimes as an individual sports person, you're always looking at the next thing. Mm. You know, you roll off one season and straight in for the next one. What's coming yeah. next? What's coming next? And, you know, it's nice for an athlete of her calibre to kind of speak like that and actually mm. go, do you know what? I'm able to look around now and maybe enjoy that process. And, you know, maybe that's what happens when you mature a little bit in the sport mm. and you get to your late 20s and you begin to kind of go, how lucky am I? You know, and try and enjoy it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Hello, Kira. We're we're very lucky to have you because between losing spikes the other day up in Cranford and losing passports, it's it's been a roller coaster of a few days for you. It has, it has. I um, I, I was happy with my performance up at the up at the National Cross, um, acting like Cinderella without a shoe <laughs> for a lap. Sarah did very well, so for me to come through and get the get the silver, I'm like, oh, it's just a 
a year of silvers it's meant to be. Well, it's been a magical year for you, Kira. You know, obviously your silver medal at the Commonwealth Games, your silver medal at the European Championships, breaking that record of Sonia O'Sullivan's that you've been looking for for so many years and running that magical 3.56. So uh, are we going to go out with a high for the end of this year? That's the aim. That's the aim. 2022 has been very good to me. Um, So yeah, hopefully all all of us Irish can go out at the Eurocross and really go out with a bang. We had a very good Eurocross whenever we hosted it ourselves. Um, And as well in Lisbon was a really successful year. So it's lovely to see. Like I feel like we're really going from strength to strength in Irish athletics. We're having among the best championships we've ever had. And I'm excited for this, not only for my own race, but for all the rest of the athletes going out there racing. You know, we have a really good chance of bringing home medals. Um, so, yeah, I'm thinking that myself and the rest of the team will certainly go out with a bang and then we can have a nice celebration of the year after. Yeah, because like, it's been an amazing year for you. First of all, did you find your spike? I did. Anne-Marie McGlynn's husband came and gave it to me after the race. That's the good thing about Irish athletics, isn't it? We all know each other. So it was it was hand delivered back to me. Um, I doubt I'll wear that spike at the Eurocross though. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if you didn't find it, I was going to jump on eBay and see if uh, see if someone maybe put it <laughs> up there for sale. But come here, okay, go back to like the start of this year. What were your goals? Or did you, like you mentioned Kay Kirby there, so people that don't know, Kay Kirby's a sports psychologist out in the Institute and obviously someone close to you. But like, you know, do you plan the year? Do you look, do you have goals? Do you write down times and go, all right, I want to achieve that? Or, or what way did you kind of look at 2022? Yeah, I definitely went into 2022 with with goals in in mind. Um, I tend to what I tend to do is kind of have a review at the end of the year and sit with my coach, and we kind of, you know, it's not very formal. Like you have, so I have a relationship with my coach that you you see them every single week. So it's often a cup of tea and or a cup of coffee, and you have a little chat about like this is what went well. What are we kind of planning for the year ahead? We'll chat about training camps. We'll chat about championship focuses. Um, obviously la- this year was difficult because I had three major championships in the summer for me so it was world champs commonwealth games and european champs and that's really unusual in athletics to have so many championships in one summer and they're all so close and they're in different parts of the world so that was going to present a challenge so that's something I'd actually discussed with Steve um, before the year even came about what we would focus on um, and something that then I chat to Athletics Ireland about and feedback to them and I have to say Athletics Ireland are great. They support me no matter what decision I make. Um, obviously, they'll always be like, look, this is probably what we would prefer. Um, but whenever I make the decision, they always stand by me and they give me every bit of support that I need. So I'd, I'd explain to them, look, I'm probably going to focus on Commonwealth Games and European Champs because I feel that I have a real a real medal hoop there, that I have a, a big opportunity to medal at those. That's what I feel I should focus on. Um, and I felt if I had raced worlds, then it would take away from that opportunity and that chance to, to medal at those two championships. So that was a tough decision to make. I made that kind of the year before. And then 2022 rolled around and um, it wasn't an easy year. Like I focused on wanting to try to have a good indoor season, but I tore my calf at the beginning of the year. So I, that rolled out indoors, put that behind me, focused on my rehab, got back out, had some camps with, with my team. And then Steve, my coach, at the time got offered a job at British Athletics. So that was a big change to come about. So, you know, all of these, <laughs> despite me making a lot of plans, a lot of things happened that weren't according to that plan, um, which is also important because it's important to put those goals down, but to realise that, you know, not, not everything's perfect. Yeah. That unfortunately life doesn't work that way and you also have to be flexible. So, Kira, those moments, like obviously you've built these solid relationships with these people and then these things change. Like, 
in those moments, did you stress out or, you know, how did you kind of keep yourself calm and focused on what you needed to do? Yeah, like whenever I tore my calf, I and actually ran a PB over 3K. It was mm. an indoor meet in Manchester, just my, my season's opener. And um, I knew I was in good shape because I ran I ran a race, a five mile race um, up in Northern Ireland. It was the Lock 5K and it was a really hilly course. And I'd run a really good time. And I was like, goodness, I'm in great shape. So I was excited to get out and race. And unfortunately, I tore my calf. So I stepped off the track. I said to Steve immediately, I was like, I think I did something in that race and he's like what do you mean and I was like I felt something in my calf and then I tried to walk and I was like sat, I was like I shook my head and I sat down and I was like yeah I've done something to that um I was like I don't think I can cool down so I went and jumped on a bike and I'm really lucky that I have fantastic people around me Steve immediately rang the physio and um, my physio Ollie said to him like look Kira's reported this this and this and I said to him I was like I'm, I will say I'm a qualified physio sometimes it's very hard to reflect that on yourself <laughs> but I was like I think I've torn it I think it's a grade two I'm not sure. Um, I'm probably going to need to go and get a scan. So Ollie gave me my recommendations to him to kill down. And like, do you know what? Whenever I'm presented with things like that, I find it really easy. Mm. I, I just do what I'm told. And that's probably, I feel like injuries are often in that sense, the easiest thing to come back from. You have your rehab, you have a certain set number of weeks, the physio's in control of that. You push it. And like, I'll, I'll stress the physio, like I want to be back a little sooner. And we, we hash it out and we figure it out. Unfortunately, it's a lot harder to come back from things that aren't physical for me so like then during the summer whenever um Steve left that was that was really tough so yeah. I had a phone call from him on the on the Monday he had explained to me that he got offered the job and look I who am I to stand in anybody's way I was like she's congratulations because that's his dream job um of course like I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm a saint I was pissed <laughs> <laughs> like god I was I was annoyed like I I was like thanks thanks a lot it's April we're going into a summer season where I have major champs and I really feel like I can medal. And now my coach has left and that doesn't often happen. Like, let's no. face it, yeah, coaches don't tend to leave their athletes. Yeah. So, um, and Helen Clitheroe had come on um, as an assistant coach in the team. So I was like, right, well, what am I going to do? I was actually at the Mary Peters track with Thomas. I was I had a flight home had been cancelled um, and I was waiting for a, the next flight to get back in. And I was like, right, well, I've got training tomorrow or Tuesday. Oh God, right. So um, I phoned, phoned Helen when I got back into Manchester and chatted to her and I was like, right, well, what's the crack? And Helen's like, well, I'm stepping into the, co- the full coach role. Um, none of us had kind of planned for this, but it is what we've got. Helen was really honest. She was like, here, I'm going to do my best by you. Mm. Um, if you don't feel that I'm the right coach, then you just tell me and I'll help you and we'll find somebody else. And I was like, okay, right. And I phoned Ricky Sims, my agent. I chatted to him. He was the same. He was like, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to change teams? Do you want me to find you somebody? And I was like, it hadn't even occurred to me to leave my team in Manchester. Like, I'd, I've really made such a strong bond with all of these athletes. Not only is it the place where I feel like I get the best out of my running, but like, they're they're like a second family. It didn't even occur to me to leave there. I was like, well, like, I'm going to give Helen a chance. Um, I don't know what she's like as a coach. She doesn't know what I'm like as an athlete to coach. I was like, now is not the time to change let's be pragmatic about it nothing changes too much as the immediate build up to a summer season but we're leaving for camp in like a week's time <laughs> so uh head down and I have to say look you know it could have went another way it might not have worked I might have found that Helen wasn't the right coach for me and I would be in a different position but testament to Helen she really hit the ground running with the whole team all of mm. us really got on board with having her as a coach and we fully invested in her and look, I think the summer really was a testament to that. And like I even on that camp that Helen literally had just taken over us as a team. Um 
I remember saying to her like, Helen, I'm not sure if I'm making the right decision if not racing worlds. Like, how crazy am I to pass up a world champs? Like, am I doing something wrong? Am I being stupid? And like, Helen's just honest. She's like, I understand here because I was in your place. Like, I wouldn't want to pass the world. So we chatted yeah. about it. Then we decided, no, I've made the right decision. And I'm glad that we, we stuck to our, gar- what, our... Was it hard watching the worlds? Uh, yeah, there was. <laughs> did yeah, you watch much was. of it or did you like turn it off and say, do you know what? I, I can't... I didn't watch all of it, I'll be honest. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, when you're passing an accident on the road and you mm. want to look, but you don't want to look, yeah. it was like yeah, that. Yeah. I, I knew what time the women's 1500 meter races were on. So when it was on, I was like, oh, do you want to go watch it? I do want to go watch it. I should watch it. These are my competitors. I'll race them later on. But like that little party is like, oh, I know I'm just going to be annoyed because I saw the times that got through to the final. I thought I could have been in that final. But you know what? Actually, on reflection at the time, I had got COVID only a couple of weeks, like maybe two weeks before, I think, or like three weeks before. That had affected my training. So like I was really fit for the Commonwealth Games and the European Champs. But, yeah. you know, maybe I wouldn't have been in that amazing shape yeah. for the World Champs and I might have been disappointed. So I, I was watching it thinking, I feel like I've made the right decision. Mm-hmm. Of course, I feel kind of looking, you know, you, you can't help but look at the athletes in the final and think I'm just as good as them. Yeah. I should have been well, there. But that's that's. Your, your own kind of nature as well, you know, that competitive nature. And I think in athletics, you always want to compete. You know what I mean? We, it's not like a, a mainstream sport where week in, week out, you have an opportunity. And I think sometimes athletics mm-hmm. is like, I want to be out there, I want yeah. to be out there. And what I noticed, Kira, the fact maybe that you missed Worlds and like obviously you ran your Commonwealth and Europeans, you just had such strong performances. And like a lot of people commented on after where it's just saying like that you were literally like a different animal like you were a different athlete the way you attacked and you know took on the race and like there was just this confidence that like if we could bottle up Jesus everyone would be running amazingly um do you think maybe missing the worlds like had given you that kind of hunger in the belly to make sure that when you did get an opportunity to perform at those championships that you were going to have a damn good performance definitely I'd say like a lot of people have said that they're like you you look just you looked really different. I chat, chatted to um, to a few people there at the Irish Athletics Awards and um, I trained with the Doonies, the Dooney brothers. I was chatting to their mummy there and she's like, here, watching you race over the summer was a real, a real kind of throwback. You looked like the Kira that we used to see whenever you were a junior. Mm. We feel, I felt like you were racing the way you did there. And I, and you know, like if I could flip and bottle it, I'd be delighted because <laughs> I don't know. You know, you don't necessarily know the difference. Like, I don't know what was special at those championships, what made it happen. Maybe it was that, like, there was a little part of me who's like, right, these girls have had a full world champs in their legs. They're going to be tired. This is my opportunity to go out. But as well, I just knew that I had put a load of work in yeah. and I was like, this is my third, especially the Commonwealth Games. It was my third Commonwealth Games. I was disappointed not to do well on the Gold Coast. I really felt like I had unfinished business there. I was like, I am good enough to win a Commonwealth mm-hmm. Games medal. I really want to win a medal for Athletics Northern Ireland. They've, you know, they're the the governing body that I really started a lot of stuff with. Um, I'm very proud to represent them. And I was like, I really want to do this for them, for everybody in in Athletics Ireland and everybody back in Northern Ireland. That I really feel that as an athlete, we reflect the very best of what Northern Ireland has to offer whenever we come together as a team across all the sports. And whatever the history of Northern Ireland may have been in the past, people might look at it like it was something negative. Whereas I feel like, you know, we've got among the best people in the world up there. and and that we have such a positive outlook and I take that really I take that like kind of role really seriously so I was like right I'm gonna go out and I'm I'm gonna battle for that medal and yeah toe the line and I knew that Laura was the person to beat so you know you have you have a marker mm-hmm. you really know that like Laura's like I have so much respect for her she's really 
set a world-class standard for European 1500 meter running. She's just phenomenal. And it's great to have that. It's great to see that. But I look at Laura and think, I can be as good as you. So I went out and I was like, yeah, I'm going to try it. And yeah, I think maybe having not went to Worlds gave me that little bit of a hunger in my tummy being like I've seen other people racing championships and I really want to be up there and then whenever I went out and especially in the final chasing Laura down and thinking okay I can get closer if I if I try to get that little bit closer because like she's the girl to beat um I got a little bit closer at the European champs just not quite close enough to get the gold but yeah it was it was something special and you know it was it was as much a special moment for me getting to see myself race like that again yeah to see me aggressive because you know, that was a huge confidence boost for me. And it's probably really why I raced so well in the Diamond Leagues after, you know, the confidence that mm. those two championship races gave me. But it's also, I think, you mentioned the hard work you put in, which is so evident, but also, you know, dealing with the setbacks, the injuries, the change of coaching, like that's character building in many ways and that resilience. And I think when you go through all that from an emotional perspective and then you add in the physical work that you've put in, it's ready and you're ready. And, and I think, you know, Lilian mentioned that, like the confidence that you just you just had it in in abundance. And I, like, I'll never forget being in, in Munich when you went through the bell and it was like, here she goes. And you're, you're right on Muir and it's just like, this is unbelievable. And you're going in the back straight. Like, can, can you bring us back to that? Because like the atmosphere and Munich was fantastic and it was great excitement in the stadium. But like, what, what were you thinking when you took the bell on the last lap? I thought, I'm fighting every step of the way. I feel like I really had got it right. I learned from the Commonwealth Games and I didn't give Laura an inch. So whenever she went, I was much I was much quicker on the mark. Um it's really strange. Like in my warm-up, I um I, I have like quite a a strong tradition of what I do to warm up and get ready for a race. And part of it is me like writing down scenarios that I think might happen and using visualization and kind of I put it all on paper and I write what what I would do if this situation arised in the race and if this situation arrived, arised. And like, I'll write things down that are really silly. Like, you know, you come out and you feel like absolute rubbish, mm. which it does happen. You know, there's so many times we go out there and we train our, our, our heart out and we just get out in the day and we feel flat as anything. And you're like, yeah. okay. And I always remind myself, like, I'm not going to let my head get in the way of my body because on the days where I don't feel great at training, I just remind m- myself that my body knows exactly what to do. If I switch off that top five inches and just let my body go into auto drive, it runs. It's born to do it. And so I was like, right, we're going to come out here. We're going to race. And on my warm up, I had actually visualized nearly the exact race that panned out. I um, I was like, I have a feeling that Laura's going to go a bit further out than she did at Commonwealth um, because she's not going to want to be as predictable. But so I, I envisioned, I visualized as I was warming up exactly how I would run the race. Um, I ended up like running like a six minute mile in my warm up because I was visualizing and <laughs> <laughs> clearly I was getting into it. I was clearly getting into it. And Helen actually said after, she's like, I saw your warm up. You're nearly tempo in it. And I was like, Helen, I think I was sprinting because I was thinking I was in the race. You were raring um, to go. I like that thing. Like, yeah. I wild horses weren't going to stop you no. in, the, in that scenario. Well, that's... That's it. So whenever it happened in the race, whenever she came on the shoulder going down, like it was kind of just nearly off that that bend, that bottom bend coming up towards the bell, like 500 to go, she went by and I was like on it. Mm-hmm. Get yeah. on her, on her heels, let her know she's, that you're there. I heard the bell and I thought, you're fighting every step of the way. But yeah, and I, I do wonder, I have, I have to look back. I wonder, I feel like if I had went by her up the back straight, I wonder if it would have been a different story. Um, would that have dented her confidence a little yeah. bit? Mm. Would it have given me a huge boost? It's always really difficult because you're like, can I hold on? Like, have I got it in me to to be able to 
overtake and keep going. Yeah. Um, because you're like, what if I die down the last 100 and I get overtaken by everybody? Because like these things happen. But like I held on. Laura managed to pull away, but I came back. I came home with the silver, and I knew that the the Polish girl Sophia now was also going to be a tough competitor. Um, she was in my heat. She made sure to finish first in the heat, which was interesting. I don't know if anybody was watching, but I knew that we had qualified through and I didn't like, I didn't have to sprint and race the whole way to the line because I was like, I'm not going to use up my valuable energy. And now I made sure that she sprinted through the line and she walked straight off the track. Whereas I was like, I, I noticed it and I was like, okay. I should be scared, Kira. Well, you know, I shook my competitor's hands and after that, my boyfriend Thomas, he was like, did you see what she did? And I was like, yeah, I noticed she just walked off. He's like, you better freaking beat her. <laughs> um, you, so, came, um, you came back with that silver medal, but you, you also came back with a plant. How's the plant? So the plant has been sitting on the windowsill in, in the house in Manchester. I feel like it's maybe um, not looking as good as it should do. I'm not entirely sure what this plant, plant is. Honestly, it looks like something. It looks like a weed. And, <laughs> yeah, so it's still there. Well, I was like, I, I, I could laugh because I got given the medal. I was more delighted looking at my plants. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, if people don't know, you need to follow Kira on Instagram because she's quite the green fingers. Um, but as you did say, you came back and then look, you know, you finished off the season like unbelievably well. You know, when you look at the times, the records, um, the 356, Kira, like, you know, when people ask you now, you know, on the circuit, because the circuit's an interesting place, you know, when you're racing, they'll ask you, you know, what event you do, and then your PB before they even ask you your name. Mm, so yeah. now Kira goes, you know, what's your event, 1500? What's your PB? 356. You know, talk us yeah. about, like, you know, what does that even, those numbers, like, what does it mean to you? Oh, well, you can't see me right now, but I'm beaming from ear to ear. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, do you know what? It's, um, I still feel like I have to pinch myself. I'm like, is that, is that my PB? Um, and I have to believe it because I'm like, I did it. And I, <laughs> it's really interesting. Like I, I chatted to Thomas, um, like my boyfriend runs and, you know, we chat about things and you're like, I was always a really good junior. And I feel like I've ha I've, I've a lot of potential in our sport. And I'm always, I'm always like at pains to say these things because it comes across as cocky, but I always worried that I'd finish athletics and not have reached my full potential. And that was my biggest worry in, in mm -hmm. our sport. It wasn't that like, you know, I'd get injured and have to retire, retire early, which would be heartbreaking, of course. But, you know, I was like, I just want to reach the potential that I feel I can do. And I always was like, I think I have, I have it in me to have the Irish 1500 meter record for sure. And I was like, look, I think I could run a 356. But like everything has to come together. I have to have the best day of my life out there in the track because, you know, those moments are, are few and far between. You don't, you can be in really good shape, but you just get a day that it's windy or you can, like as a woman, you maybe you're a certain part of your cycle and it's, you're not feeling fantastic and you're really heavy or, you know, like something could happen. Like you could have had an argument with your boyfriend and your head's in a different place or you're really homesick and you're missing home and like all of these things play in. And or like the food wasn't great at the place you were staying and you had a little bit of a dodgy tummy, like all of this stuff. So I was like, I definitely want, I feel like if I run 356, I would retire from 1500 meter running, hang up my spikes happily. <laughs> now I haven't said I've done that. I am not hanging my spikes up anytime <laughs> soon. Um, and it makes me wonder now I'm like, could I go faster? You like, would. you know, you the would. race that I ran 356 in wasn't super smooth. Like, could I go out there and could I be in one of those races where the girls are running out trying to run a world record and I'm on a train and I'm just holding on for dear life and you know because I, I after that that PB race I had 
spike marks all up my legs. Like it was chopping and changing. I was in a race. It was a race. It wasn't the time trial. Um, so yeah, the fact now that I can say I'm a 356 runner, it puts me in a realm of 1500 meter running where I feel like I've always belonged. Um, but I finally put myself there and, you know, I have such a sense of pride in that. And I can't thank everybody who's got me here enough because it isn't, it isn't just this summer that made it happen. I sat down with Helen and I thanked her for everything. I said, like, Helen, I know that all of the training I've done, like a lot of that is Steve's work, all of the training, but I do believe I couldn't have done what I did this summer without having Helen as my coach and her really helping me be in the mental space I needed to be in. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's all of those people that brought me here from all of my athletics coaches with Helen, Steve, Jerry and Eamon. Um, but even before that, like the coaches that brought me through Komogi, I had a lovely coach, Elizabeth Collins and Kamogi. I like Gemma and the, the ladies that like, that was my grassroots. Mm. And they taught me how to be competitive and controlled. They taught me to how to show respect to my competitors, which I really enjoy. Like I enjoy being out there racing against those girls and cooling down with them after. And finding enjoyment in the sport has really helped me thrive as well. And, you know, my parents and, and the club that I've come through and, you know, just all the sheer supporters, like being at the Irish Athletics Awards yesterday, I was feeling very emotional. Yeah, you've spoken about the highs and lows of it. And like, yet of everything you've done last year and over the years, um, you're still incredibly grounded. We can still feel you're incredibly grateful to everyone who's brought you along the way. Um, but you have had to endure some hardships along the way. And a lot of like young people like really do look up to you um, as a source of inspiration and you really are paving the way for for little girls, little boys and even big girls and big boys um, across Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you had to give anyone, I suppose, a bit of advice or maybe kind of going through those hardships themselves and what, what would it be if you could give maybe even your younger self some advice? Yeah, it's very hard because like I, I get wee messages from from parents asking me about their kids from kids asking me saying that they really want to be like me when they grow up and what should they do um and it's really hard to say exactly what to do because like I would hope that people would have a smoother path than I did um I was really fortunate that I had all of the support behind me that I needed Irish athletics have been there for me throughout the entirety of it of this all like through my injuries and through my triumphs they were always there and they always gave me some support so I'm so grateful to them for that and athletics Northern Ireland but I feel like I, I never know what it was. People are like, how did you not give up? Like after my junior career, I had a really bad um, injury. I had to have surgery on my ankle and I didn't really run. I didn't have an under 23 career. Like I wish I had set some under 23 records that could have been beaten, but I didn't run as an under 23. So um, I had no records to set. I had no chance to run at that. And people are like, oh my God, you're so resilient. How did you, how did you not give up? And I was like, do you know what? I think I am just brute ignorant and it didn't occur, <laughs> occur to me to stop. But maybe there's something in that. Mm. I had I had a goal and I had a vision that I wanted and I knew that I was good at this sport and I knew that I wanted to, to do the best that I could do in it. And, you know, maybe somebody is as good as me and maybe they're better than me and maybe they're going to be um, Ireland's future Olympic gold medalist. And I can guarantee you their path won't be smooth but if they believe in themselves and they know that that's what they want and they approach it with every ounce of their being, then they'll get there because, you know, through all those hard times, I kind of just set my sights on where I wanted to be and the goal I wanted to have. And, and I knew I wanted to keep running and I wanted to fulfill my potential and come away with no regrets. So I, I would say that set your goals and, and be true to yourself. And that's all that you can do in life. Kira. 
you know, it's always refreshing to talk to you because you're just so open and honest. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people will, will take an awful lot from, you know, your whole story and also kind of even your preparation and visualization into uh, into those big races. So, look, we could talk to you all day, um, but we really appreciate your time. And just, yeah, just for being yourself, I think, is is, yeah. is the best part of it. You know, you're so grounded and it's a pleasure and we wish you all the success going forward and, and indeed in Turin next month in the Eurocross AK sure it's nothing to you just keep just keep the uh, double like. lace the spikes that's all you have to do thank you Thanks so much, love. thank you so much thanks for everything oh, I don't know Liliane what you make it out where of do you like, start like she's just someone that like anyone can resonate with yeah. because she's still so humble and like, it's just so honest. Like, mm. She's transparent nearly. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's been a fantastic year for her. But when you talk to her and you hear about the hardships, like the person you rely on the most, your coach kind of moving on to mm. to a new role, you know, getting the injuries, COVID, things like that. Like that would, for many people, just disrupt their whole year. And that's what I think the maturity and that's where she is. She's able to grasp that and she's able to rely on other people around. Uh, and she mentioned that team in, uh, a few times, you know, and it's just... Uh, it's amazing. I definitely think that resilience is something that really adds to performances. Yeah, yeah. You know, particularly when you're in that cauldron of a, of a stadium and it's all ready to go. And, you know, you rely on those. I've come over, I've come through these hardships before. I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. And I think as well, the way she talks about her support systems, you know, they really just allow her to shine and be the athlete that she you know, feels like she was destined to be like. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be another exciting few weeks when we get to see her lace up again at the cross country. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to go home and visualise my, yeah, my yeah. sub three hour <laughs> marathon. OK, whenever that might happen. But uh, no, what a start to our monthly podcast with Athletics Ireland. And again, that's the way we want it to go forward is having people like that on who just tell us how it is. Yeah. Um, but look, it's a busy couple of uh, weeks coming up. Obviously, in athletics, there's so much happening. Uh, track and field live in Athlone on December the 1st, the novice cross country champs in Cork the European cross country champs over in Turin as we mentioned um, what are you looking forward to? Well I'm going to be completely honest and I'm going to give him a plug here David Matthews his track and field live events are taking place and you know Dave is someone who just loves putting on a show and he's a real athletes man and that the first event was taking place on the 24th of November, then we're going to Athlone, then we'll go back to Dublin. So for, you know, us soft athletes as, you know, track and field people, it's nice to see a bit of indoor action this side of Christmas. Um, You know, I suppose just to, to come in out of the rain. Come in out of the rain and the cold and it changes things up a little exactly. bit and gets the speed going is what we like. But um, look, appreciate Lilian, you uh, sitting beside me here today. Yes. So people can follow this podcast on all the Athletics Ireland social media and you've got plenty of ways, Lilian, for they to get in touch with questions yes, and everything. I think we should be asking our members what they want to hear from. So if there's any questions or queries or people you think that we should be giving a voice to on this podcast, please get in touch. We'll have, um, you know, some contact details there in the show notes and we'd love to hear your questions and queries. Yeah, absolutely. So don't be shy. And we would ask for a bit of a call to action as well. So if you have enjoyed today's podcast, please share it, retweet it, send it to club mates, people who are interested in athletics or even people that are just interested in sport in general. You've heard a great interview there with Kieran McGean who was so open and honest. So again, please help us out. Sh- uh, share it, retweet quote, retweet, whatever you do on whatever platform you have. Uh, we uh, we would really appreciate that. And um, we hope that you will come back to us in a month's time. Thank you. <laughs>